Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. It's really nice to be here this morning. I haven't been here for the last four or five weeks because I've been putting all my energy into the High Park Headingley Gathering and it is great. It's going really, really well, as Matt said, but it is a pleasure to be back with you here this morning and speaking to you. Um, If you've been with us the last few weeks, you'll know that we're currently working through the book of 1 Corinthians together and 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. It's actually a letter. We call it a book, but it's a letter um, after Jesus, so it's that bit of the Bible. And it's a letter to a place called Corinth, which is a city in Greece. And it's from a guy called Paul. Some of you might know a little bit about him. He's a very interesting character. He was a Jew who hated Christians passionately, so much so that he was involved in their murder. But he had a radical encounter with the risen Jesus, and it completely turned his life around, so much so that he went from murdering Christians to going everywhere, sharing the good news of Jesus and planting churches. So Paul had been to Corinth, he'd gone there, he'd shared the gospel, and um, several people had come to faith, and a church had started. And he spent about a year and a year, a year to a year and a half with the church, encouraging them and teaching them. But a time came when Paul was eager to go on and do the same in other places, so he left them there. But you can imagine if you you guys started a church and then you had to move on, you would feel a real love and care for the people. And Paul certainly did. And he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to teach them. He wanted to correct them. But it was a long way to travel. So he sent them several letters. And we have two of them in our Bibles. We have the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. We actually think there's probably four letters and that we have number two and number four. But We call them 1 and 2 Corinthians. I hope that makes sense. Um, We're calling the series Crazy Christianity, and some of you might have wondered why. But if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, the church was certainly crazy. There was all kind of things going on. People in the church were suing each other over disagreements. I don't think we've ever had that here at Mosaic. There were people getting drunk on communion wine before others, the poor in the church, had even arrived. Yeah, that's happened. Something. No. Uh, there were people having completely inappropriate relationships with family members, and the meetings were crazy. They were using their spiritual gifts in a way that did not encourage the church. So as we go through the book, we will deal with each one of those issues. And today we get to deal with the first issue that Paul addresses. And it's in chapter 1, verses 10 to 17. If you've got your Bibles, could you find that for me? If not, the passage will come up on the screen. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? 
I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember it if I baptized anyone else. <laughs> but Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So here we have the first issue that Paul addresses in his letter, and it's pretty obvious what the problem is. The issue is disunity in the church. Paul's heard news from Chloe's household. Chloe was a Christian in Corinth, and it was probably either her servants or family members that had traveled to Ephesus where Paul was on business, and they'd taken a report of how the church was doing, and they told him some not great news. Firstly, they tell him that there are quarrels and divisions, literally sort of splinters or splits in the church. And it must have been quite serious because the word used for quarrels is the name of the goddess who excites to war or something like that. So the, there clearly was like a battle raging in Corinth. And Paul is desperate at the start of his letter to deal with this issue. He could have sort of started with any of the other things he was told about, but he chooses to start with unity. And if you notice in the first sentence of this passage, Paul makes three appeals for unity. He basically says the same thing three times. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He says the same thing three times. He obviously wants to get something important across. And I don't think it's a mistake that it is the first thing. The, the book of 1 Corinthians is 16 chapters, and it would have been read aloud to the church. I think if I read the whole book to you, by the end you might be getting a little bit sleepy and not as focused. And I think he wanted to address it first because it was important that they were alert. And also, I think it's because this problem is the foundational problem to all the rest he's going to address. If they can get this right, if they can get unity in the church, I don't think they're going to be suing each other. And I don't think they're going to be getting drunk on communion wine so that there's none left for everyone else. If they can get this, Paul is sure that everything else will sort itself out. So he appeals to them, and you can hear his desperation. And I want to start today with the same thing. I want to appeal to you, just as Paul appealed to the church in Corinth, be united. I don't think it's a mistake that we're looking at this issue at this time in our history. Let me explain why. Firstly, we are starting three gatherings. So we've already started High Park Headingley, and in January, you guys will be launching North and South. And I think this is like the key thing that we get into the foundation of each of our gatherings. If we do that, all the other bits and pieces, like how we do worship and all the sort of things that we need to work out, they will, they'll be sorted. The main thing is that we build a foundation of unity. And you all know the reason we're doing this is because we want to reach the city. That's the point, isn't it? That's the reason we're going to three gatherings. But Jesus is clear. Unless we're united... 
people won't see him. They won't really have anything to come into. Just imagine if we were in chaos and people come and join us, they'll join a mess. It's important if we're really going to be effective in mission in each of our gatherings that we get this issue. Secondly, we're moving to three and that is likely or could really cause divisions in the church and that is not what we want. It could be very easy for there to be jealousy between the gatherings or even just disinterest, like I don't really care, that's hypocademy or that's north, that's south, I'm not really bothered. But it is so important that we are not like that with one another. That's the point of us remaining one church. Can I ask you, if one of the gatherings does really well and it's not the gathering you're in, how are you going to feel? Are you going to be just as excited as if it happened to you? Or what if the decision is made to buy a building for one of the gatherings you're not in and you don't really get to benefit from it much and it's your finances that you've put into the church and it goes towards a building for a gathering that you're not a part of? How are you going to feel? There, are, there will be so many moments and temptations for us to be divided, to disagree, to have sort of like bitterness in our heart over the other gatherings. And we must hear Paul's appeal today to not be divided. And thirdly, we are a church among many churches in Leeds, all working for the same purpose. And it is vital that we are of one heart and one mind. We're here for the same thing. It is important as we sort of, I guess we at High Park Henley, we're experiencing success. And even this week, I was talking to a leader in another church, just wanting to, I guess, be like, we're in this together. And, you know, we don't want to take anyone from your church. That's not what we're about. We're here to reach the city. It's important that we're united in one mind with one purpose across the city. So I want to start by appealing to you, please be united, agree with one another, let there be no divisions among us. Let's return to the text. So what was the problem in Corinth? What was it they were even disunited, or whatever the word is, over, and how can that help us? Well, firstly, it seems like there was disunity over which leader people in the church followed. So verse 12 says this, what I mean is this, one of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, another, I follow Cephas, another, I follow Christ. Now, I want to try something. It's slightly more than four. I want to split us into four groups. So you guys are I follow Paul. You're the Paul party. You're, you can be the Apollos party. You can be the Cephas party. And you're the Jesus party. So can I have, I follow whoever you are when I point to you, okay? A bit loud, that wasn't very good, sorry. Very good. Well done, brilliant. So let me just tell you a little bit about these individuals. So we have the Paul party over here. And remember, Paul was the person that planted the church. He started it. And so probably he was a bit like Matt, is, Matt and Pip are to us. They started Mosaic however many years ago. And the followers of Paul, those who are saying, I follow Paul, would have been, I guess, the loyalists, those who were there at the beginning, probably the core that harked back to the good old days. 
And also, it's important that Paul was a Roman. And the city of Corinth had been destroyed many years before and then rebuilt by the Romans. So there would have been Romans in the church. And so probably it was not only the loyalists, but the Romans that had an affinity with Paul. The Apollos party here, Apollos was a Greek and he was an amazing mind, amazing speaker. So the academics would have loved him, but also he was a Greek. And so the Greeks would have like, had an affinity with Apollos. Cephas, you might be wondering who Cephas is. It's actually the same name as Peter. So Peter, one of the apostles of Jesus. And Peter was a Jew. And it seems like there was a bit of an issue between Peter and Paul. And Peter was I guess, supporting the legalists. And Paul was really angry about that because he wanted to preach grace. And so the followers of Cephas or Peter were probably not only Jews, but those who tended towards legalism. Sorry, guys. So it was both an ethnic division and a theological, stylistic division in the church. And Paul's really frustrated with the church. He's like, what on earth are you doing? Why are you putting human leadership over unity in Christ. This is ridiculous. What are you doing? And we can sort of understand that. What's a little bit strange is this party over here, isn't it? They say we follow Christ, and that's surely a good thing. It's a bit odd that Paul tells them off as much as everyone else. You guys are not off the hook. The reason is this. It is Obviously, important to follow Jesus. We're all here because we do so. But it is not if it causes division. These guys over here were kind of the super spiritual lot that were like, we don't really need church. We don't need human leadership. We don't listen to them. We've got a direct line with Jesus. We follow him. The implication is, you guys, you've got it wrong. It was just as divisive. And so it made Paul just as angry. Jesus brings unity, not division. So they were divided over who they followed. But secondly, there's this strange thing about baptism. Paul has this senior moment where he can't remember who he baptized, which is a bit (laughs) odd, um, but shows that he definitely was human. Um, In verses 13 to 17, he mentions baptism or baptizing six Time. So it's kind of a, an important issue. And it seems like people in the church were divided over who they were baptized by rather than who they were baptized into, Jesus. And Paul is just like, you guys are ridiculous. Why are you worrying about who baptized you? Clearly, it's Jesus that matters. And that's why here at Mosaic, you might have noticed, we don't have like, the leaders of the church baptize people. And that's because... It's not about the leaders. It's about who you're baptized into. And so we love it when you guys are baptized by your friends who've encouraged you in Jesus or those you're accountable with or those who've discipled you because baptism is important, yes, and chapter 6 in Romans like, confirms that. Paul loves baptism, but it's only important because of what it represents, that you've given your life to follow Jesus. So... This thing about human leaders and this thing about baptism. But what about for us here today? I don't think we have any followers of Cephas here or Apollos. And baptism isn't a big deal for us here. What are our dangers as we enter this phase in our history? Well, firstly, I think we have the same danger about division over human 
leadership. There are many people that I know that you guys listen to, read, authors you love, worship leaders you love, but if it gets to the point where you love those authors more than others and it causes division, that is not okay. That isn't what we want. Or even maybe who disciples you or what mission group leader you have or who prophesies or prays over you. All these things can cause us to sort of puff ourselves up, think that we're more important than other people, or we follow someone with a better theology than who that person listens to. It can cause division amongst us. Also, preferences are really good. So some of you will love expository preaching verse by verse going through the passage. Others of you will love sort of just like going through a theme um, some of you will love long preachers, some of you will love short preachers, long worship, short worship, different styles. And that's really good. We are different here, and we like different things. And so can I encourage you, it's, that's good, that's fine. But it is not when it causes division and judgment. When we think, well, my preference is more holy than their preference. So because I love really deep theological preaching and they love like long worship and they fall asleep during the preach, I'm more holy than they are. That is not okay. Or even I love long worship and I'm more spiritual than that person who doesn't, they don't really join in when we sing. They're clearly not bothered. They love like dry theology. What is wrong with them? When preferences become prejudice, that is wrong. And Paul is speaking against that. Don't disagree over things like that. And finally, diversity is amazing. We really want that. So we are praying for people of different races, different classes, different ages, different backgrounds, different levels of education. We want people who dress differently and like different things. That is really good, and we want that here. But so easily, we can be divided over those things. We can just spend time with people who like the stuff that we like or are from the background we're from. And all these things are dangers for us that we need to be aware of. Paul appeals to the church in Corinth, and I appeal to you. Don't let us not divide over these things. They don't matter. But want us to understand unity a little bit more. We've got our heads around, okay, let's not disunite over those things. But what, therefore, should we unite around? I want us to ask that question. Unity around what? Well, firstly, Paul talks about unity around the gospel. There are two mistakes often when it comes to unity. Either you can unite over everything. So it doesn't matter if you you don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. That doesn't matter. We can unite with you. You don't even believe that Jesus was God. We can unite with you. Paul isn't saying that kind of unity. But equally, people can divide over everything. So you have a different theology about women in leadership. You have a different theology about the, um, the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. People can divide over everything. Paul isn't saying either of those things. He's saying unite around the gospel. In verse 10, the basis of Paul's appeal straight away is in the name of Jesus Christ. Unity for Paul is based around Jesus, who he is and what he's done, the gospel. 
The gospel literally means the good news. It's the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And Paul goes on to say, he asks these funny questions, doesn't he, that are like rhetorical questions. Is Christ divided? No. Was Paul crucified for you? No, Jesus was. Good answer. Um, was it into the name of Jesus that you were baptized? Oh, it, were you ba- Yes, that's the right answer. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. Of course not. All of these questions, the implication is, no, don't be so ridiculous. Jesus isn't divided. You weren't baptized into the name of Paul. You're baptized into the name of Jesus. It's all about him. And verse 17 couldn't be clearer. This is like the climax of the passage. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul is so clear in this passage. It is all about Jesus. All of it. We are united not around anything else, not our preferences, not that we're like each other. We're united around the good news of Jesus Christ, what he did, who he was. That is what unites us. Can I ask you, is that, is that what unites us? Is that what draws us together? Do you see, if we're united around the gospel, it brings like absolute transformation. The gospel is this, the cross tells us this. All of you, including me, we are more sinful than we could ever, ever, ever imagine. So much so that Jesus had to die a horrendously painful death for our sin. All of us, there's no difference. But what's also true is that All of us, every single one of us, are so loved beyond our comprehension that Jesus decided to die for each of us. Die a horrendously painful death. The cross, the gospel, puts us on an absolute level playing field. No one is above another. No leader, no preacher, no Christian author, no worship leader. No one is more holy, more deserving. All of us are utter depraved sinners in desperate need of a saviour. And all of us have been loved by the God of the universe. Listen, as I talked through those dangers, if for any of you, you felt like a tinge of, oh yeah, I sometimes do that. You need to know the gospel again today. You have to know deeply in your heart that you're more sinful than you can imagine, but more loved than you could ever comprehend. That is what will cause us to be united. Listen, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, so you're just like visiting, maybe someone invited you, you have to know that this, what I'm talking about, that is what unites us, this rabble of people. It's the gospel that brings us together. And if you're here and you don't believe in that, if you don't really understand it, can I invite you to like, find out more? Go on intro, ask someone that you've come with, stick around, come again over the next few weeks. This is so important. 
So it's the gospel that unites us. But secondly, Paul talks about unity around the mission. So unity around the gospel and unity around the mission. Let's look at verse 17 again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul says in this verse, for Christ did not send me. And it's the same word as mission, which literally means the thing to which you are sent. So you could translate it as, um, Christ did not mission me to baptize. Can I ask you, what have you been sent to do? Do you know your mission today? It is so important that we know what our mission is together if we're to be united. Otherwise, it's complete chaos. So I'm going to do a little illustration. And I've asked Ali and Craig to come and do something that I've asked them to do. I've asked them each to play a piece of music. And we're going to listen to the wonderful performance. You ready? Okay, stop, stop, stop. Okay, I don't know about you. I thought that was terrible. It was horrendous. My ears are bleeding. Okay, I've given them, <laughs> I've given them a second mission. Go on then, guys, take it away. Let's hope it works. Great, that's wonderful. Thank you. Let's give them a round of applause. Can you see the first time I'd given them two different missions? And what was the verdict? It was good, bad? It was horrible, wasn't it? <laughs> it was terrible. But the second time, sorry, uh, the second time I'd given them the same mission, I'd sent them to, to play the same piece of music. And I thought it was pretty good. It made me want to just start worshipping. If we have the same mission then something beautiful happens. Something that people want to watch, people want to be part of. If we have a different mission, it is a mess. And the same is true for us. If we know our mission together, we will produce something that people want to come into and want to be a part of. If we have all different missions, if we're about different business, it will be a complete disaster. This is so important as we sort of found our gatherings. Within Hyde Park Headingley or within North and South, we, you have the same mission within your gathering to preach the gospel to those who have not heard. That is your mission. As you go out in January, that is what God is calling you to do, calling us to do. That has to be what unites you. It can't be anything else. It will fail and it will be a mess. Across the gatherings, as a whole church, that is our mission, to preach the gospel to those who haven't heard all across our city. That is what will unite us, nothing else. Otherwise, it will be a complete mess. And as the church in Leeds, as one of the churches in the city, we have the same mission. That's why we can pray for, have other churches to our prayer meetings. That's why we can work together and encourage one another and meet with each other and be friends, because we have the same mission 
are these things the things that unite us here? Because if they're not, it's going to go wrong. It's going to be a big mess as we launch these gatherings. But if we unite around the gospel, the good news of Jesus, if we unite around a mission, the same mission, preaching the gospel to those who have not heard, I think it's going to be all right. In fact, I think it's going to go really well and God will use us and people will come to faith. This is so important for us to get this at this time in our history. We're going to take communion together now as we finish and communion is wonderful because it expresses very physically this unity. We come to the same table and we drink kind of out of the same cup, like we drink the same drink. It represents our unity together, that we are a community. So can I ask you, as you come to take communion, we're going to sort of encourage you to come in, in groups, so find some people you know or some people you don't know near you. Come together and take communion with one another. And as you do so, I really want you to be sort of honest with yourself. If there is any division in your heart, particularly anything you need to sort out even now with someone else here, whether it's like your husband or wife or one of your friends or just someone in the church that you feel like there's an issue with, it's important, Paul tells us, to resolve that before we come to the table together. But also, I want us sort of afresh now to say we are united, right? We are of one mind. We have one mission to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. So as you come to the table, let, sort of let that be your commitment again. Let me pray for us as we finish. Lord, we, we just love you. <laughs> we are so aware of our sin without you, but your extravagant love that has changed each of our lives. And it levels us. We are no better or worse than anyone else here. We've all been saved by you. And I pray, Lord, would it be the good news of Jesus that unites us together as we move forward? Would it be the mission that you've called each of us onto that, that brings us together, that unites us? Please help us examine our hearts now. Protect our hearts, guard our hearts. Would there be no divisions amongst us? Would we agree with one another? Would we sort of be saying and proclaiming the same thing? Help us, Holy Spirit. We are aware of our weakness. We need you to do this. We need you to purify our hearts, even now. For your glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen.